Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Literary Quest. This week we're discussing Crimes of Cupidity by Raven Kennedy. This will be an After Dark episode, and this will wrap up our coverage of this series for now. Um, Also, happy Valentine's Day. I will start with our characters, and Vicky will pick up with our plot. Uh, We'll be discussing sex in this book, so this is your After Dark warning. Monitor appropriately. All right, so we have Emel, who is our main character. She's a Cupid and she's not so great at her job, but she's determined to keep her corporeal body and to stay with her mates. And her mates are three Jinfins who are called Ronak, who is the broody alpha with super strength, Silred, who is the sweet one that manipulates emotions with music, and Evert, the sarcastic one with healing abilities. She's also mated to Okot, who is a Lamasu and is also very sweet. We have Raziel, who is in charge of the angels. We have Jerkoff, who is in charge of the demons. We have Lex and Sev, who are both Cupids. So Lex is an overachieving Cupid who serves as a male's PA in this book, and Sev it is a Scottish Cupid who is helping supervise the changes to Cupid rules that Emel has instituted. Again, we have Princess Sora, who is a Fae princess that married the Fae prince Elfar, and she is championing, championing the rebellion movement against Prince Elfar. And then we have Prince Elfar, who is a narcissistic psychopath that is determined to have dominion over all Fae realms. Vicki, do you want to take up with our plot? Sure. So this book opens right where the last one left off. ML was yanked into the veil and she's in quite a bit of trouble. She doesn't even have to wait around. She gets there and is immediately called into room one where the big boss is located. Finds him there with an angel, Raziel, and a demon, Jerkoff. They tell her that by popping in and out of the veil, she has perverted it and must be terminated or poofed. They explain that by entering and exiting the veil, she has obtained extra non-Cupid powers, which explains why she has some black and white feathers, along with why her eye color changed. Um, Emel knows this isn't good and tries to use her charm to get out of trouble. However, no one is charmed and she ends up wrestling with the boss for the terminate button. In their struggle, Emel manages to be the one to press the button and poofs her boss. This, of course, makes her the new boss of the Cupids, all Cupids everywhere. The angel and demon are annoyed, but ultimately they don't really care. Um, Amel is pleased to realize that she can enact change. She gets an assistant who she nicknames Lex and pretty much immediately puts into effect some major changes. She starts the buddy system so that there will be no more lonely cupids. She grants two weeks of vacation as um, and says that there will be a work party every year. Not everyone is happy about the changes. Um, So instead of leaving all of it to Lex to coordinate, Emel also enlists Sev, a male Cupid that she met in the first book. 
Once all of her plans are in place, she leaves the Vale to return to her mates. However, things are not as she left them. It turns out that there is a strange time difference and she has actually gone for almost a month. Her mates are nowhere to be found. She believes that they probably went to the palace when she did not return, so she heads that way, only to find that the princess is in jail and everyone believes that she'd been executed. She also finds Okot, who is not pleased to see her. He even attempts to strangle her. She's heartbroken by this, as she believes that Okot was pretending to be her mate and tricked her. Emel promises Princess Sora that she will help her escape, and in order to do so, she reaches out to Belrin for help. Belwin agrees to help and tells her that the best way to break her out can be found on Arachno's island. Belwin explains that they will need to sneak into her cave and find a parrot worm to imitate the king. So they head that way. Of course, things cannot go smoothly and Arachno catches them. She almost kills them, but Amel manages to kill her with the light of the heavens. They steal one of the parrot worms and head back to the palace. So now they need to come up with a plan to get the king distracted enough so that the worm can lick him. Amel pretends to be a servant and distracts the king while he, was, he is in the bath and Bellworm gets the worm to lick the king. So they can pretty much just walk by the guards now into the jail to release Princess Sora. On their way to the princess's cell, Amel convinces Bellworm to also let out the other innocent prisoners. By the end, they've rescued around a hundred fey. They get they escape the prison and the castle, and they get over the wall and off of palace grounds. And luckily, they are found by one of the many fae that owe Belrin a favor, and a portal is opened for them, taking them straight to Princess Sora's home island, which also turns out to be the rebel base. While there, Emhel discovers that when she says the words heaven, she can summon the angel Raziel, and when she says the word hell, she summons Jerkoff. She also finds her mates there. Well, some of them. Everett spots her and is furious that she left, but is also very happy that she's back. They also find Silverin, who has a similar reaction. Her mates reveal that they've developed some Cupid traits. Everett has lust breath and Silverin has pink hair. Emil repeatedly asks them about Ronak, but keeps getting the runaround. Eventually they reveal to her that when she disappeared into the veil, the mate bond could no longer be felt and Ronak went feral. They take her to see him on Genfin Island, uh, to see if she can help, but warn her that no Genfin has ever come back from going feral before. Luckily, ML has one of those magic pussies and is able to bring Ronak back from being feral. This is great, and they're all happy, but nothing can last, and, the, and Genfin Island is attacked. This forces ML to go back into the Vale, and, for, and Ronak goes feral again. They manage to fight their way back to the portal to the princess's island, but even though they are safe and Amel is out of the veil, Ronak stays feral. They also develop a new problem. Some Fae that are part of the rebellion blame Amel for everything. So that's bad, but Princess Sora at least has her back, which helps the situation. They all want to help the rebellion and they learn that the prince has a secret island and no one knows what's really going on there because there's a barrier that no one can cross. Luckily for Amel, she has some friends that can help. She calls on Lex and Sev to head over to the island and find out their secrets. They discover a large number of guards and soldiers on the island, almost 10,000. Lex says that the Fae weren't acting quite right though. They were acting as though they had no emotions and were almost like robots. They also mentioned that there were some crops on the island that were being care cared for 
but they weren't sure what the crops were for, but they did notice that the king was walking among the crops and talking to them. Everyone sort of puzzles over this, but they're interrupted when the prince attacks. He kills quite a few fae, but ultimately comes to Amel and tells her that she can either go with him or he'll kill everyone. Not given much of a choice, Amel decides to go with him back to his island. He reveals that the crops are being used to mind control the fae on the island. The king has been infusing them with magic and the crops are used to make tea that then lets um, the fae prince control their, their minds. The prince tells Amel that he's aware his father will die soon and his backup plan is Amel. He wants her to use her cupid powers to make everyone love him. To ensure that she does as he says, he makes her drink the tea and has her mates captured and held hostage. So what happens? You'll have to read the book or keep listening to find out there are spoilers ahead. So this is your favorite book in the series, right? Yes, I love this one. It just, everything all comes together. We get to see, and I love that she becomes head of all the Cupids and I love that she does it in such a bumbling way. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Sev, he's funny. Um, I enjoy seeing Ronak Feral because it's so funny. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's a great book. It's got lots of humor. It's got some spice. It's got some tension. It's got resolution of things. We've got a couple of new characters sprinkled in. It's just, it's fantastic. Yeah. I like it too. I do like everything does kind of get wrapped up pretty nicely for the most part um, with our main characters. Now with um, the characters Belrin and Lex, uh, things are left a little bit open-ended, especially with the epilogue uh, at the end of the book. And so she just announced, this author, Raven Kennedy, announced last week or maybe two weeks ago or something that she's releasing um, Belrin and Lex's book on Valentine's Day, which will be yesterday by the time this podcast comes out. So um, if you like this series, you should check out Belrin and Lex's book. I think it's going to be really good. I really liked Belrin. I liked him so much. I, I didn't remember liking him this much the first time I read it, but I just adored him in this book. And what's sad is, what's not really sad, I guess. It's just that I feel like he got more character development than Okot. And Okot is one of ML's mates. Me too. I, I felt that way too. I feel like Okot's kind of just a plot device when you need him. Uh, yeah, I kind of started, I felt that way in this book. You know, he was introduced in the last one and I really liked him. Um, we, he just didn't get the same character development that the, the Jinfins did because that's who the first book was about. And so I think because of the fact that he was like mind controlled in this book, that second book would have been the time to really develop his character a lot more. And I don't think that happened. And so by the time we got to this book, I mean, he's hardly in it. When he is, his character's not likable because he's basically abusive to Amel. And so, and it, it gets like, it resolves at the end because we find out about the mind control Kool-Aid that they've been sipping on and it kind of, makes his actions forgivable and understandable 
Um, and he has some really th sweet things that he says at the end, but compared to all of the rest of her mates, it's just, there's, I mean, there's really just no comparison in terms of the development that that character gets. Yeah. And so by the end of it, it's like, well, I could take him or leave him at this point. I don't really have a lot of feelings for him because he, they're not, the feelings weren't developed in the story. Yeah, I would have liked to see him interact more with the other, um, with the other mates too, because they're going to have yeah. to spend their lives together, like form some like um, bonds of friendship and stuff with, yeah, the, uh, with the Gen Fins. Um, which we don't really see. You do get that a little bit in the novella. You get to see all the males interact because um, they're all together and living in this like, you know, giant, I just picture a hobbit hole. Um, oh yeah, I, I can that. see that. Yeah. yeah. So in the novella, you know, they're all living together and there. And so you get some of it, but yeah, in this book, he's he's not in it a lot which is interesting. Yeah. And I feel so I, mean, I, mm -hmm. I really liked him in the second book. It's so it is disappointing that, and I under, like, I get why he's not in this one a whole lot, but also because he didn't get the character development in the second book that he did, that the other ones did in the first book. And in the second book too, like Amel is very upset by his betrayal. And I'm over here like, I mean, what? why are you this upset because like y'all smelled each other and you did the mating bond in the second book but like y'all didn't spend just a ton of time together yeah it definitely feels like her bond with the others is stronger mm -hmm. um because they have more than just a mate bond like so they like yeah you know, her and they have Okot, like history yeah her and Okot were just like mate right yeah like, like all oh, right you smell like my mate and then they mated it, they knew each other for like a week like there's not and in that week to get like they spent time together, but it's just the de the relationship development wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And yeah. maybe because I'm human, it's hard for me to buy into that. Like, oh, you're my mate and I love you unconditionally and eternally forever because you smell good for me. Like that's, I don't know. Yeah. Like I know it's fantasy, but in this situation, it's hard for me to buy in. One of the... Um reasons I think I found it more easy to accept in the second book is because she didn't also have the Gen Fins like confirming that they loved her back yeah right? that they wanted her so she mm -hmm. and she always wanted to be loved you know so finding somebody who was like you're my mate I love you she's like yes okay mm -hmm. yes um and that made it for me like a bit more believable in the second book um just with her character but yeah they never get a ton of one-on-one -on -one time like that we don't really learn too much about his past yeah ever. I mean do we know anything about his past now that no. I think of it yeah no we know a bit about the Covey's past yeah so yeah yeah so that but with Belrin this character is introduced in well, no, he's even introduced at the end of the first book, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I was thinking, so when I finished the second book, I was thinking, is he going to become one of her mates? Because of his interactions with her, and he doesn't. Um, 
but he, I think it's more development than Bogot, which is fine. I mean, I love Belrin. I'm so glad that he's getting his own book because I, he's just an, I really enjoyed his character. Yes, he, um, you know, it's funny because he says he's very flirtatious, mm-hmm. right? And at one point he goes, oh, I'm good at everything I do, like with a wink. And yeah. her response is, well, except for sharing. He's like, yeah, except for sharing, except for that. Yeah. Also, he's got like silvery gray skin and I want to say silvery gray hair too. And that's, that's well, just my jam. When he put the mask on and she described like only getting to see like certain aspects of his face, but also kind of what um, they looked like. Mm-hmm. I, was, I thought that sounds hot and then Mel's next thought where I didn't like talking to him in that form like with the <laughs> mask on it was weird and I was like oh <laughs> is that the response I was supposed to have because that was not <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't even know what my responses are supposed to be anymore since I started reading so much <laughs> fantasy it's like all right I guess I'm attracted to monsters now I don't know <laughs> <laughs> Let's roll with it at this point. <laughs> demons are hot. Or... Apparently, I'm super into like demons, and I don't know, like uh, aliens too. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what I like anymore. <laughs> My preferences are all skewed. <laughs> Yeah, definitely a bit of a work. Like they introduced the demon. First off, his name's Jerkoff, which I forgot about. So I laughed <laughs> when I read it again. I completely yeah. forgot his name was Jerkoff. And then I was like, I would totally be just summoning this demon for fun. Because yeah. he seems like a fun dude. And also he's a demon. And I seem to have a thing for demons myself. Yeah. So. I mean, same. Like she does that. So she, when she gets yanked back to Cupidville, the is she talks about how there's like a boardroom the cupid boss is at the table a hot guy that looks like an angel is at the table and hot guy that looks like a demon's at the table and i was instantly like hot demon like yep. <laughs> i instantly liked the demon better than the angel mm-hmm. i don't know what it is about like angels in pretty much every book we read are just really pretentious they're jerks because they're angels rule followers is that it they're all just a bunch of rule followers yeah bunch of narcs the demons know how to have fun because they don't have rules maybe i don't know i mean they have rules they just get to have like they have more fun rules is this a bad boy thing is that what makes demons attractive maybe could be although these demons apparently smell like sulfur that's not a good not a good and they're self-conscious about it that's that just get just buy some axe just buy some axe spray just just cover yourself in axe like a middle school dance that's right it covers everything you can't use too much of it (laughs) yeah um i love the the tussle that ml gets into with the cupid boss so she is still just terribly inept at having a physical body. Um, but I love that she saves herself from being terminated because she tries to charm the Cupid into like letting her keep her job and not destroying her. 
And when that doesn't work, she's like, she chooses violence. I mean, it's not really violence, but she like, she, she tries to save herself. And I think it's hysterical that her Cupid boss is just as bad at having a physical body as she is. <laughs> like that's part of what saves her is that he also sucks at having a physical body. I just like the angel and demon there. I, I just picture them sitting there just shaking their heads watching this happen. Yes. Yeah. Because they don't they don't seem to actually care that much. You know, no. they're like, yeah. the, well, I guess this is what's happening now. Yeah. These cupids mm-hmm. and their weird rituals. Yeah. No, they don't care. And then they're super unhelpful when they're so when unhelpful. she has like their abilities. She's like, okay, can you give me some pointers? Is there a rule book? Like, what do I do with all of these new powers? And they're like, mm, no, I'm not going to help you. Rude. So in the, like, um, when they have their, they, their tussle, right? And she hits the button. She doesn't realize that she hit the button first. She's just surrounded <laughs> by, like, pink smoke. And she's there. Yes. She's so distraught because she thinks that she's just been poofed. Yes. That scene is so funny because she's so upset. She's like, and I was going to try anal. (laughs) Yes. And then Jerkoff is like, did she say anal? (laughs) Oh, it's outstanding. Yeah. That scene is great. And she not, so she gets those abilities, but she also gets um, the, the veil minor abilities, which means she has, Sandman powers and she has lady luck abilities and possibly some karmic abilities and if there's like a single character in this book that doesn't need a single thing more on her plate (laughs) but she I mean she just is bumbling 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 to figure things out and now she has even more responsibility and she does not need it so it's that scene is just hysterical to me but I love that she immediately like she pivots really well and is like all right I have these new duties let's make changes yes I'm glad that she remembered to what it was like being a Cupid you know that's right it wasn't so mm -hmm. she's an advocate for her fellow man yes she is so and I'm looking forward to seeing, so you see it a little bit in the novella, but I'm hoping we'll see it more with Bellerin's story too, how Cupid's work now, because now they've got a buddy system and stuff. They can actually have sex themselves. They can, um, they have physical bodies every, not every two weeks, but they have physical bodies for two weeks every year. There are some other stipulations too. So, um, Lex is funny actually I really like all of, I, I like Lex and Zev but she's so proper and she sets all these quotas for herself she's like I have I give out a minimum of a hundred flirt touches and I just I have the picture of my mind and her she's wearing like a pencil skirt you know <laughs> so yeah. I picture and she's a pencil skirt her hair is slicked back into one of those corporate buns sort of thing <laughs> Yes, that's how I, I pictured her too. She's right, got right. like tiny cap sleeves on her button-up top. Like mm-hmm. it's yes, 
she is the definition of like a workaholic or um, not having good work-life boundaries, maybe. Yes. Yeah. So I, I liked her though. She gets pushed a little bit by Bellerin. Yeah. And by Sev to a little bit outside of her comfort zones because when ML first meets her, she says, talks to her about whether or not she ever wants to be in love. And Lex says, oh, it's better to be a Cupid, sort of. Um, so we, we see her pushed a little bit, especially by Bellerin. Yeah. I think, which is well. And then, so. Is, he is ridiculous. <laughs> the times that she manages to like pull him out of the veil just is always mm-hmm. at some like inopportune moment because she pulls him out at some point like just as like I guess just as he orgasmed and mm-hmm. it's glitter so pink glitter pink, pink glitter. glitter yes pink glitter jizz oh my gosh and so two thoughts I I think that's probably better than like I don't know is it better or not because first off I feel like you shouldn't swallow glitter right? Oh yeah, that's a good point. And it's never coming out of anything ever. Is that bad? I mean, so I don't think I would be too upset if I got glitter like on something. I don't know. I just love the sparkles. So I feel like I would be less upset by that. It would depend on what it, what it's on. Does it also taste good? See, and that's the thing. Like, if it's gonna be pink glitter juice, then it needs to be like bubblegum flavored too, or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can't just be regular flavored. Like that takes that takes all the fun out of it. So from from Cupidville, uh, Emil takes her powers, and then she goes back to the Kingdom Island to find her mate Okot and to figure out what's going on and that's where she finds Sora and I just love how like proud and serious ML is about being a super spy mm-hmm. I can just see her like poorly sneaking around corners in this castle like super spy I'm a super yes, spy. with the music like her own theme music yes yeah kind of like Kronk in the Empress New Groove yep yeah that's what I picture for her like I'm a super spy right so she harnesses or she like makes a deal with Belvrin to um get Sora out of the castle Mm -hmm. and they have to do this by using the parrot worm and they have to get the parrot worm to lick the king and that whole scene is just like funny but cringy because I yeah. forgot some of what happened. So I was thinking, oh God. And she like, she has to like pretend to be a servant. And so she's giving the king a bath and she's talking about rubbing his nasty calloused feet. And I'm just picturing like overgrown, hard, yellow toenails. And it was just, it was too much. <laughs> yeah. Um, that scene was uncomfortable. Yeah. Don't particularly like feet. So oh yeah. Vicky hates feet. Wasn't thrilled with that. And then like when she drops the soap 
I know, such a tense moment. <laughs> it's just like fine. You can stop. Saying, oh no. Uh, oh I'm no. Worried. I'm worried. And he goes off on this rant about servants and stuff. Mm-hmm. Typical. Entitled king. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but she she's able to successfully rescue the princess and with Belrin, they get all of the people out. And I think we see a lot of um a lot of growth just in terms of Amel and her character and what she's able to do. Like she goes from being just inept with basically everything when the book started to being this is still fumbling. Mm-hmm but like way more capable. And I love that growth for this character. Yes, she becomes more confident in herself. Oh yeah, confident in herself and just like competent. Like obviously there's a really major learning curve when you've never had a physical body before and suddenly you have one. And so she's definitely grown into having a physical body a little bit more by the time we get to this book. And I like that. I would like to know. Growth for your characters. Yes. I would like to know how she struggles with basic coordination and somehow manages to figure out a foursome though. Oh my gosh. Yes. Can we talk about that? Yeah. I, I can't. I can't imagine a more exhausting sexual experience than the foursome that is described in this book. <laughs> I would just give up. Like, just use me. I'm just going to lay You just, you just, I like, she's got double penetration plus a penis in her mouth. And like, what do you even do in that situation? You just... You just lay there. Yeah, you just stay still. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but there's another there's another situation, and she's like also giving someone a hand job. I'm like, how how are you even doing something like the I can't the coordination, the multitasking, how can you even focus on what your hand's doing right now? So that is a good point. But maybe in this situation, she does kind of just get to lay there and she doesn't have to use her legs to like stand up or move with them. So Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why the coordination's better. Maybe. Yeah. Um, it was a hot scene, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed it. I mm-hmm. loved reading it. I just can't imagine putting it into practice in real life. I have trouble imagining, like, group sex scenes like this mm-hmm. in general when they're written. It doesn't matter how long I'm just like, I'm just like trying to do it. I have like, so you know, the meme of the woman that's like, she's got this face of like confusion and it's like all of these masks. Yes. That's me trying to figure out where the body parts are in scenes like this. Like who's holding the leg and where is it and what position are we in and how Mm -hmm. like what's going on? Yeah, that's me too. (laughs) That's me too. Um, I enjoy reading them. I love it, but I'm definitely doing mental gymnastics trying to figure it out. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it was really hot. Like, please give me the group sex scenes. But mm -hmm. in real life, <laughs> I just don't know how this works. Yeah. I don't know. We need to, like, we need an expert opinion or something on this. I don't know anybody who has a three mates. No, I don't. I don't know anyone in my <laughs> extremely conservative town who has three partners. Yeah, I no. only have like four friends here. <laughs> and none of them have mates like that. So <laughs> So yeah, if you if you've got an expert opinion, tell us about what the coordination is like. Um so she successfully frees everybody and they make it back to Sora's home island. And that's where her mates are. And she does not realize it initially, but she's finally in, like, she's finally reintroduced to them. Or she realizes that they're on the same island as her. And so she goes and seeks them out. And I'll be honest, I was a little pissed off that Everett wasn't immediately like, are you okay? Self on top of her. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like if I had poofed away for a month and came back and my mate wasn't immediately like, oh my gosh, I missed you. Are you okay? But instead was real snappy with me and was like, um, I'm pissed that you're gone and I'm not going to let you have orgasms because of that. I would be like, excuse you, sir. Yeah. She also doesn't. So I was surprised that she didn't say, well, I was really in like, I was really only gone for a couple hours or something, you know, it turned yeah. into weeks here to say that she didn't even try. She was just like, I'm sorry. I was like, what? Although in Everett did ask her not to go. So I think that's because he was really worried for her. Okay. He did ask her, but her other two mates are okay with it. And she's an independent woman. Yes. Cupid who can make decisions for herself and I don't think it's right of him to punish her for doing the things that she thinks are right I agree where one of her other mates are involved I like Evert um but he does like a lot of like possessive like almost jealous like he's very threatened by even the mention of another person's penis like dicks really freak out like anytime there's a dick just even mentioned in relation to her he gets very defensive and I just want to be like, calm down, sir. <laughs> Why are you so threatened by this? I get that you're territorial, but this is an irrational response. Well, I liked the development that he had less breath though. He was the perfect oh, one yeah. to get that. He was definitely he the right character to give less breath to. Yes. He was, and Silred ends up with the pink hair. I just love Silred. He's so sweet and thoughtful, and his reunion with her is outstanding. He's immediately like giving her a piece of chocolate to eat, and is just so happy to see her. And he has a proper response to mm -hmm. seeing his mate and being reunited with her when she's been gone for a month. Yes. Yeah. 
And then they're really sketchy and don't say anything about Ronak. And she keeps being like, oh, well, it's, are you taking me to see Ronak? Is this where he is? Where's Ronak? And they're just like, um. Very invasive. Yes. Just tell her. Yeah. Just tell her that. But then they, they make it to the Jinfen Island, which is where he's being kept. And, oh, oh sorry. Sorry, yeah, no, I wanted to say before we get to that, because it kind of just goes in succession, they have to go see um, the woman or the Jenfin who's going to be their original mate. Oh, yeah, they, Biesa. Yes, Biesa. And um, Amel licks Silverhead and Ever. I love that. <laughs> I love that, too. That was so funny. Mine. <laughs> and she likes Absalom. She's like, Oh my god, why did I do that? Because she doesn't have a tail and like ever uses his tail. And the mm-hmm. Genfins like use their tail to kind of like stake claim to what's theirs, I guess. And she didn't have a tail. So she licks them instead. She improvised and it and, worked. And then she's immediately horrified by her actions. Mm-hmm. How do you come back from that? I don't know. I don't I don't know what you do. Like there's no way to like. There's no way to brush that off, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's her introducing to Vessa? Viesa? What's her name? Viesa. Viesa. Yes, I couldn't remember her name. Um, who happens to be her cubby is the one controlling the portals in and out of the island. Mm-hmm. So they set one up to Jenfin Island. Yes, they make it out to Jenfin Island, which is where Ronak has placed himself um, in a cell, basically, because when she disappeared, he he became feral. His beast took over, and he could feel it, and so he wanted to keep he wanted to keep everyone else safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Pussy Power saves the day. Yes. <laughs> Ronak comes back to his like non-beast self after they have sex. And it's just it's just great. Mm-hmm. Vagina I, power. <laughs> I love that whole scene because he like pries open the like bars of the cell grabs Amel and hurls her through it Mm -hmm. right and there's like a pile of her clothes yes and that's really sweet and then when Silverd and Everett are like ready to like you know put down I guess is what they say Ronak and Amel stops them she says no he's not trying to hurt me he's trying to keep me Mm -hmm. and just it's so cute because he's like he's protecting her from other people who would take her away Mm -hmm. which is like it's not really protecting hoarding her he's hoarding her yeah um I guess you could say hoarding maybe his interaction so after this scene he ends up becoming um going back to feral state again his beast overtakes him a few more times and those scenes are hysterical to me because he, I mean, it is like very base primitive creature that's operating at this level. 
Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't want the other mates touching her. He like swats their hands away. He pees on like plants and bushes and uses his penis, I guess, to draw the shape of a penis on the carpet when he's peeing. Like it's just very it is when they have there's a bath scene where they have sex in um the bath and because he's in his like he's he's basically a cat he's basically a big cat um he doesn't want to get in so he's like whining Mm -hmm. (laughs) just watching them (laughs) amazing i was just it cracked me up it was such, and she like boops him on the nose. She calls him Roro. Mm-hmm. I had a hard time picturing it because he's still him, right? And it's not like yeah. he's any sort of shape shift. Like he's not um, a shifter. Yeah. So he's still a gen fin that's just like feral, I guess. I yeah. Know. His claws are longer, his teeth are longer, but mm-hmm. yeah. It's still a man. Yeah. With the tail. And walking around without clothes on, too. So it's, How awkward. Yeah. Just his dangly bits hanging out. <laughs> it's so awkward. If you read, did this book, uh, I read the epilogue and I stopped there. There wasn't a bonus scene in this book, was there? In this? Uh-oh. So in the, uh, um, the one that's combined, mm-hmm. there's one from Ronak's point of view when he's in his, um, when his, when he's feral mm-hmm. and it's really cute because <laughs> he's like screaming at his animal or, you know, at his, um, to stop being like controlled by ML and mm-hmm. like, come on, you're, you're the alpha. What are you doing? Sitting by her feet and like chasing your tail. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. And it's this really cute chapter. Um, he mentions in it how he's trying to hold her down like and on her neck to get her to submit and she keeps mm-hmm. swatting him off it's really it's a cute extra scene yeah I love those extra scenes mm-hmm. especially because we don't get like dual or more point of view and that multi-point of view in this book yeah I feel so bad for her though so they have this foursome and She's like, oh, I've got some extra clothes. Like, because he's been laying on, you know, mm-hmm. they gave him some of my clothes and she finds a dress and stuff. And but she doesn't have any underwear. <laughs> I feel so bad for her. I know. After all well, of and that. at that point, she's like leaking semen as well. Yes, exactly. That's a little awkward. Horrible. Yes. And she asks, I love, she asks, she's like, oh, is there any underwear? And either Everett or Silred says something along the lines of, do you think we'd give him a pair of your underwear? <laughs> she's like, yes. Did I you? Mean, why not? I saw a TikTok this week and it was a woman who was asking if anyone can actually feel that sensation of semen spurting in their vagina. And then I read it in this book. She mentions like hot ropes of cum lashing her vaginal walls. Mm-hmm. Like, no one on the comment thread could feel this sensation. Yeah, I cannot either. But it's described well, in so many books. So many books. Why is this included? I don't know. 
I have no idea because I, I've even purposely tried to pay attention the first couple of times I read that. I was like, I am going to pay very careful, careful attention the next time I have sex. See if I can feel it. But there's, I don't, maybe they just have like, maybe their cum is just um, naturally higher, like temperature. Supercharged? I, I'm trying to think of the right words for this. Yeah, maybe they just have like their bodies run hotter. Maybe. Maybe it really is like a jet speed when it comes out. Maybe. So the force is what they're feeling. Could you imagine though? Because one of the character, one of the male uh, genfins comes in her mouth. It's coming out uh, like, 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 what are you going to do? It's going to come out of your nose if it's like that. Like it's coming out of a pressure washer. <laughs> <laughs> what a horrifying image. Oh my gosh. It's like shooting out of her, instantly in her nose, or instantly shooting out of her nose. Like, bleh. no, uh, ma'am. There's some dirty talk in this book. Like, I think this book up to the spice level from the last book, right? And some of it's kind of funny. So I don't remember who says it. I think Everett says this, look at her slurping on my cock like it's a straw full of fairy wine. Yeah. That's not great dirty talk. I don't, I don't often imagine penises as straws. Right. So I was like, that's interesting. But then yes. Silred says something Ooh. worse, right? Um, mm-hmm. So she says something about him being polite. And he goes up to me and goes, was I polite when I shoved my cock down your throat? And I was like, Silred, I know. excuse you. He really came through in this book. I was, did. I was surprised by him. I loved it. Mm-hmm. He did, like He shot forward in terms of favorites for me in this one. Yeah. Because he's super I mean he's very sweet he greets her appropriately but he also says things like this he's very naughty and then when she's having a period he is he gives her a whole box of chocolates he's very supportive of her he's very understanding and kind when she is very moody and hormonal like he silver does it right yes and because her reaction is so She's never had one before. Yeah. Uh, and so she thinks she's dying. Yes. And she's like, this isn't normal. Like I've, my tea was poisoned, Silrid. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, and he's I'm just like, bleeding out. what's happening? This is too much blood. And I remember in the book, she puts on like a white nightgown too the night before, mm-hmm. of course. Yes. Just make this as contrasty as possible. Um. And he's, he's so sweet about it. He explains to her what's happening. And then he also goes, or was it him or Everett who goes, well, that answers that question about whether or not oh, she can I have babies. Remember. It was one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Not the time. Not really the time no. for that comment. No. Because no. she's instantly like, so you've been talking about me behind my back. And I told you, we didn't know if I was going to be able to have kids. Why did you? I told you we shouldn't have done the mating thing. Like it was not a good time for that. No, it was not. No, but but Silverhead is very like sweet and he takes care of her and he helps her get cleaned up. And um, she is just, she is beside herself basically. 
At one point she says, don't say words with more than two syllables right now, Silverit. I'm freaking dying. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's just, I don't, I'm, I don't think I've had a response this extreme in response to menstruation, but there are times when it's like, I don't know, do you have, like you're just crying for absolutely ridiculous reasons or super bitchy. And it's like, I know, I know that I'm behaving ridiculously. Yes. I just have no, I like, what, what do I, I don't understand. And then the next day you start your period and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is what this is. Okay. Yes. I think Tito and I, we had an argument once and I was like, I know that I am angry about this and I shouldn't be. I'm aware I'm being irrational. Yes. Like, I know. Frustrating. Yeah, it is. It's like, I know this is not the appropriate response, but Mm -hmm. I'm having this response anyway. Yes. Yeah. And Silverette is just very understanding and kind and I and supportive and I love it. Yes. Also, she is so indignant about the lack of tampons in this world and I love it. There are times when I, like I read, I don't, I've been doing like Jane Austen books, audio books. And sometimes I'll think like, what happens when these people have their periods? And it's like this belt contraption or whatever, and all the like the bloomers and the the cotton. And it's just, it sounds like the most horrifying things. I just shudder to think about it. We, we're so blessed with tampons and period cups or and period cups. Yeah. Yeah, we really are. We've come a long way. We have. She's upset because her, she says that her, um, her mound has been mummified. Yes. She can't even feel the breeze. <laughs> oh man. I do like, <clears throat> we've talked before about um, males reactions to periods in books. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've had characters run from the menses. Yes. Before. So I always enjoy seeing male characters who are not like, oh my God. Menstrual blood. (laughs) This is makes everything different. It's disgusting now. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. So I always enjoy that. None of her mates were like, ew. I think um, Everett was a little bit like, because she was so angry and crying. He was like, Mm -hmm. I don't, do I, do I touch you? Do I like, yeah. She said that, yeah, he does like the bro pat or whatever. Like Mm -hmm. it's going to be okay. (laughs) He doesn't know what to do. Right. Yeah, Silver definitely takes point on this one. He does. Okay, so we have Emil reunited with all of her mates. Except Oka. Has a period. Yeah. Um, Ronak, who has been feral again, returns to uh, his normal self after she professes her love for all of them which is really sweet that was so sweet he's finally back to himself and his first words are like can we go back to where she says that she loved us yes it was really sweet um but because we can't have nice things Mm -hmm. the castle is attacked by the prince and he destroys the glamour that princess Sora has over the island that's hiding them and basically unleashes a slaughter on the rebellion or the, the rebels. And he basically 
forces Mel to go back to his magic secret island. Mm-hmm. And we discover that he has been brewing like tea. So people are like literally drinking the Kool-Aid and that's how he's controlling them. Mm-hmm. His magic tea that gives him mind control abilities. And all right. I like a good, I like a good bad guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like I can get on like the darkling. I got on board with that, right? Mm-hmm. I was ready for darkness terrain. Um, I can get on board with a good bad guy. Mm-hmm. I was re- Elfar, like he's devious and he's really clever at planning. And I like the idea of this mind control Kool-Aid, but he's just such a narcissistic prick and I could have liked him if as a bad guy if it wasn't for that because he's just doing this because he wants people to love him I mean it's not like he's trying to exert dominion over the whole world because he just wants to rule over people and it's not like there's some cult-like belief that he's trying to follow or something like that um he just wants people to love him and that's pathetic and screams of insecurity and I just can't get on board with a bad guy who's not pursuing some type of evil purpose <laughs> they have to have but higher ambitions that would <laughs> yes need an ambitious not villain. ambitious enough I mean gosh even Voldemort had dreams <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah he he was he's the worst just awful um but yeah i i agree so okay right so he makes her drink the tea because he doesn't trust that she'll do what he says otherwise even though he also brought her mates there and we're like aha i have your mates i will hurt them if you don't do what i say Uh he's like that's not enough i also have to mind control you but it doesn't work on her Mm -hmm. because she's special yeah but she plays along instead of being like, this is where we see like a good growth moment. I feel like yes. for her, because instead of just being like, didn't work on me. She's like, wait, let me play along. Uh-huh. Let's see where I can go from here. And I like that. I think that was a good moment of uh, like a really clear moment of growth for her. Yeah, definitely. We see her like being a little bit less impu- impulsive having mm-hmm. a little bit more forethought, uh, which I love for her. Even uh, she's ter- terrible at pretending to be mind controlled, but she still gives it a try. Like she just, she she does grow a whole lot um, mm-hmm. from the first book to this one. And it's, you always like to see that kind of growth with your characters. So. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we also find out while we're on this island that Sora, yeah betrayed the entire rebel movement i was shocked i was shocked too i forgot this mm-hmm. and so was shocked reading it the second time yeah so her girlfriend or partner or whoever and i forget her name now 
um, is Belrin's sister and the prince Elfar had kidnapped her and was holding her hostage. And so she, to um, keep her lover from being killed or whatever, she betrayed the entire rebel movement to save her and it still didn't really end up working out how she thought it was going to. So do we blame her? Belrin blames her. Belrin is upset. He says she wouldn't have wanted this. She wouldn't have wanted you to do this. This the rebellion movement was her like life's blood. Like this is not what she would have wanted you to do. Yeah. I think it's very hard to say in a situation like that. Cause if I try to put myself in her shoes, I totally might betray a rebellion too. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I might do it for your loved ones. Yeah. Yeah. So it's hard to be mad at somebody when they do it for a reason, for that sort of reason. Um, they do it for money or for some other sort of corrupt reason. It's right, really easy. Things. Yeah, it's really easy to be mad at them for that. Or if like they do it for someone and that person ends up getting killed anyway or whatever, it doesn't work out. You know, it's easier to be mad at them, I think. Yeah. Um, I but. mean, I still, I think you can still be mad at her while also recognizing that your actions would probably be the same if you were put in that. It's an impossible situation, right? Do you betray the person that you, or do you allow the person that you love to come to harm? Um, Even though it will protect all of these other people, or do you sacrifice the entire movement that you've been championing on to save that championing, to save that one person that you love? I mean, that's, that's an impossible situation to be in. So I think you can acknowledge that you can still be mad at her while also recognizing why she did what she did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Belrin dies. I forgot. Belrin dies. Yeah. I forgot. I was thinking that I was thinking that he was injured, but I forgot that he gets like dead. Um, yeah, no, I, I, yeah. You remembered. Well, nice for you. It was just like, I was more upset about it than I thought I was going to be. Um, he sacrifices himself to save Lex. So Elfar, so leading up to this situation, uh, Emel and Lex work together to persuade the angels and the demons to get involved in this fight. Um, because like the fae that are being mind controlled aren't acting of their own will so they don't want to harm people they just don't have a choice right mm-hmm. and a herd of jinfins come through to take on elfar's legions and so people are dying when they shouldn't be and emel being super clever finds this loophole in the book of rules that says basically the angels and demons have to get involved. It's bit, I mean, again, we have this clever moment, this character development with Amel, which is great. And that's a hysteria, that's a really great scene too, because the, the, the angel comes through and he brings like 12 other people. And Amel's like, is that enough? 
And he's like, with these 12 people, I could take down a hundred thousand soldiers. Like, I'm not worried. Just super cocky. But then jerk off rolls in and he's like, I get to punch them because she can't, they can't kill them. He's like, I get to punch them very hard. Don't argue with me. Like, yes. Because his first reaction to it is great. He says something along the lines of, I could do a bit with killing. Uh, torturing souls has gotten boring. Um, I haven't had a good killing in ages. That's, that's what it is. Fuck yeah, I could do with a bit of killing. Torturing immortal souls gets pretty old after a few thousand years. I haven't had a good killing in ages. I was just like, he sounds like a fun guy. Um, yeah. Just sounds like he has a sense of humor. Yeah. Something definitely more, fun. more Versus so than, than the angels. Yes. Yeah. And then he does that. I get to punch them really hard. He just sounds more fun. I mean, yeah. you know, not like killing and punching people are fun, but it's just, you know, more than the angels are like, I guess we have to get involved. Yes. They're snooty. Mm-hmm. So they get involved Jerkoff and Raziel and their lead their troops or teams or whatever they get involved and they basically bring some conflict resolution and they subdue the Fey soldiers right and mm-hmm. so Elfire is being restrained and he fires off this blast of just raw energy thinking that he's hitting a Mel but it's really Lex that he would be hitting and Belrin throws himself in front of this energy and it kills him instantly and he's dead dead and I'm so shocked and um I don't know I just felt way more than I thought I was going to when that happened um but then we have this great moment where Emel has a face-off with Elfar and she uses Lady Luck and her mad uh, archery skills and destroys Elfar. And I love it. Mm-hmm. Love it. The war is won, basically. Um, Elfar dies. Nobody knows who's going to govern the Kingdom Island anymore because the rebels keep like unseating the people that they select. But basically everything is cool with Emil and her mates and they go back to Jinfin Island and start rebuilding the, the places that were destroyed um, when the island was attacked by the prince's forces. Um, so there's a scene in the later part of the book where Emil and Silred have like public sex Yes. And it's super hot. Like it starts Mm -hmm. out as a low job and it turns into way more. But here's the thing about that. She like puts a chocolate bar in her mouth and then gives him a blow job. And I like gag reflex activate. I just can't do it. (laughs) I, I don't like the idea of bringing food into the bedroom. I think of, I just don't think it's sanitary. So I can't enjoy those scenes as much. It's sticky. Like there's no way to avoid getting sticky. Yeah. And also, I don't know if it's a good idea to have, well, I mean, chocolate, I guess, near any orifices that aren't like in your mouth. Yeah. That's how you get a yeast infection. Yeah. So. Yeah, it switches from oral sex to penis and vagina sex shortly after. And I was like, mm, nope, 
There's still probably chocolate. That's how you get a yeast infection. And his penis is sticky. Like, mm. I just the opposite can't. of what you Being want. Being sticky is like my least favorite sensation in the world. Mm-hmm. I hate it. It's I hate just it so much. Oh, it's so awful. So, another thing that happens at the end of the book that I think is really sweet is Amel helps their previous Genfin friend be gosh Viesa Viesa mm-hmm. yeah Viesa to fall in love with her cubby because she really likes them and she wants to love them but she's still in love with Silrid and Everett and Ronak which is awkward and she doesn't want to be in love with them she wants to love her cubby and so she asks ML for help which I thought was first off good for her you know like that's an awkward conversation to have you know um mm-hmm. but to go there and do that and just it was sweet and ML helped her and I think ML says something along the lines of that was the most important love match I've ever made it was it was just a sweet moment yeah I agree I really enjoyed that scene too there's another really sweet scene at the end as well where she's um the rest of her mates have gone to Amel's mates have gone to bed and she goes to Oclot who's sitting outside looking at the star the stars and they have this really sweet moment where he says that he he felt her before he even knew she existed um yes they have the strongest they have a very strong bond to their mate probably the strongest of all they and so it's not uncommon for them to meet their mates, even though, even though they've never, to sense their mates, even though they've never met them. Um, he talks about how he always felt her bond and it was super strong. And then when he found her, it was just, he says, he says, I smelled your scent and the air around you was home. It's just a very sweet moment. I wish that we had more moments like that between her and Ocot. He's definitely the sweetest of her mates. Because mm-hmm. I actually, in quotable quotes, or quotes, I have something from him that's really sweet. It's just so, he's just such a sweet. Yeah. Sweet, sweet We can move on to our quotable quotes. I had two. My first one is you'll do a lot of things for the ones you love, even bad things. Good people are capable of bad choices, just like bad people, just like bad people are capable of good. So Emel says this, and this is actually what we were just talking about um, a little while ago about how Princess Sora, she betrayed the rebellion for one person. And that's what that quote is from, that um, conversation in the book. And I just like Mm -hmm. it because, you know, as we were talking about, good people are capable of bad choices um, and selfish choices, even if they're good people. Yeah. So the second one I have is from Ocot. He says, when I called you my beloved from that first moment I met you, it was because I meant it. You are the most beloved thing to me that has ever existed. And I am in constant awe that you crossed realms and veils to get to me. So sweet. So 
sweet. I love that one too. Yeah, I highlighted that as well. See, Okada is just, I mean, precious. I just wish we had more of him. Yeah. I think yeah. if we had more of him, you know, we talked about my feelings in the last book. If we had more of him and we had more character development of him, he could have become like a good contender for my favorite of her mates. Mm -hmm. There just wasn't enough of them. There wasn't enough. We just needed more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I really liked this quote that <laughs> Stella Mel says this to Silverid when she is menstruating. She says, how can females bleed this much without dying? We're freaking warriors. And we really are. I mean, we really are. Mm -hmm. Women are amazing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Vulva owners, we're amazing. All right. Uh, final thoughts? Anything final? No, I mean, um, I really enjoyed this book. I'm looking forward to reading Belrin and um, Lex's book. I'm so glad that she released their story. Again, it comes out on Valentine's Day. So very excited for that. Yes, I am also looking forward to reading that. Excited for it. It'll be good. Yeah. Yeah, this is a pretty cute, I mean, as reverse harem stories go, this is a really cute one. I um, I feel like I've read a bunch of different, just sort of with, within this genre of reverse harems, I've read a bunch of different ones and I really like the way this one is told. And the storyline is pretty original and, and certainly there's a lot of characters that I've never heard of before. And I love that originality too. Mm -hmm. Alrighty, well that wraps up Crimes of Cupidity by Raven Kennedy. Um, join us next week for Crescent City House of Earth and Blood by Sarah J. Mass. We'll be covering this one next week and then we'll talk about the new one the week after that. We are so excited. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.